Verse 27, uh, we continue on here. Uh, why don't we start with a word of prayer? Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for this time. Bless us, O Lord, in your word, uh, as you are the true high priest, uh, the one who is superior over um, all things. Uh, bless us in this better covenant. You grant us uh, your, your kingdom uh, by the giving of your Son. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, so last week, we ended on uh, the, the description. And, and I, I, as you look at your handout from last week, uh, <clears throat> uh, verse 26, if someone could read that for me again, uh, chapter 7. Okay, so right here, um, uh, what we what we speak of the Apostles' Creed as, as we as we confess every every week. Uh, why we see this in our Apostles' Creed? All these descriptions of our Lord, not not verbatim, but definitely surrounding what these themes are of who our High Priest is. But why again? Why is this so important that the writer is is bringing these uh, descriptions of, of Jesus out here in verse 26. Any, I know we talked about this last week, just a good intro to get in, but any, any thoughts on this about the description of the true high priest, why that's so important? Well, in their background is the priestly order, but of course all those priests die, so they don't have the qualities that they're, they're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you say the priests die, right? So that means, are the priests, by nature, are they holy or innocent? Um, they actually had to give sacrifices for themselves first, right? So, of course, we don't see their innocence by nature. Uh, unstained, uh, separated from sinners, um, exalted above the heavens. This is only uh, a descriptive of, of our Lord Jesus. So as you look at your hand out there, uh, you see kind of the... Um, the descriptions of our Lord. And, and again, when you say the Apostles' Creed, uh, this is what should be going on in your heart and mind, especially in Article 2 uh, about Jesus and the redemption, right? Uh, review that over and over um, because um, it's good. It's good. Anyways, um, <laughs> verse... Sorry, I don't, I don't know why I'm out of breath. Verse 27. Sorry. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Okay, so what are the two things? What are the two things, right? The first aspect of this verse is what? Uh, he has no, no need, right? There was a necessity for the, the Levitical priestly line to do these sacrifices daily, right? So when we talk about need... Uh, before uh, we see uh, the sacrifices daily, um, when Jesus comes to the table, after there is only once and for all, right? Uh, when we talk about need, uh, number two right here, uh, uh, oh, that was actually one and two. But first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. 
uh, the priests would, again, for their own sin, sacrifice. But yet, after, it is the one who became sin for them, who took upon the sin of the world, and there uh, he would give uh, the redemption to all the world. So when we talk about need, uh, the Old Testament need was to do these very things by the command of God. But this was all a what? It was all a... Yeah, that's right. Foreshadowing of what is to come in the deliverance of the true high priest, Jesus Christ. Right? Um, It's all about Jesus. Because, again, you know, and I I had a conversation with someone this week, and um, we were talking about Jesus, of course, in our conversation. Um. That's pretty much it. But while we were talking, uh, what was I going to say? Why don't we, why isn't there more than just Jesus? I mean, we hear the gospel, we, we receive that very word time and time again, but what is the temptation as we hear these words always? What is the temptation um, as we go on with our faith to hear the words of Christ and say what? Well, isn't there something more or else? Now, do you guys see that? Yeah, well, I mean, do you whole, see that? Our whole world is based on what we do to get rewards, whether it's monetary or responses from friends or whatever. And so... For Christ to have done absolutely everything so that we don't have to do anything is a, is a concept that is always at odds with how we live the rest of our lives. Yeah, so for the Hebrews, their more was just like, okay, we know that, but we also know this. Let's, let's do this too. And, and, you know, it's good. We've known it. So let's just continue to do it. And this was their temptation, right? And for us, too, I think when we hear the words of Jesus, it's just like, you know, I think even as a pastor, it's like, wait, you know, maybe I need to bring something more, uh, more to the table or add more or, you know, be more creative or innovative, right, about, this, uh, about these things. And all the meanwhile, the devil is saying, yeah, go, go away from Jesus because he's the only way, truth, and life. And you do that. You go away from him because you have the technique that's better than Christ and, or the better covenant or the better promise or whatever you want to call it. And no, we, we, we stick to this. And again, as a church, uh, there are many churches who have gone away from this, right? That it's not only, not, no longer only Christ, but it's everything else. And, and it has definitely changed the way to which they proclaim, right? So very important, this temptation to say, is that it, Jesus? Like, why do we always have to hear that? Uh, because when you look at this before and after, and, and you see what Jesus brings to the table, and you look at yourself in the mirror, just as I do uh, this morning uh, with a little less hair, because I got a haircut, uh, it's because, and other things. But uh, it's because this is what we need to hear the once and for all finality of the one who took upon our sin. And, and, and that's, what we, that's what we need to hear time and time again. For us sinners, the forgiveness of our sins and, and the peace that Jesus gives to us in his once and for all work. 
right? And this is what the writer is trying to do here, is really giving them the conclusion that this is it. There is no, like, and then some, or and, and, and then extra stuff, or I need to do this and that, because soon enough, what happens? It's all well-intentioned. I, I don't doubt it. But after a while, when someone asks you, what does it mean to be Christian? A lot of it, it starts straying away from only Christ. And it becomes... As I always say, it's subject to the verb, right? What is that subject? It becomes I, right? And, and, and so easy that becomes. So really, you know, when we talk about the, the reminder of what the Hebrews are struggling with, it's not, it's, uh, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. We very well know how that's a struggle for us too, um, because we are fleshly people as well. So again, how we have that conclusion or that... Uh, the understanding of why we need to hear Christ is because of the very attributes of what, to which he is described in verse 26, but also that this is it, right? Once and for all, you took upon your sin. And, um, you know, as, as we continue to live out this faith, uh, this is uh, what is superior, and that is our Lord, right? So, so again, um, true high priest, very important here. Ryder continues to make that distinction, and no one can do this. Only Christ. Oh, is someone coming? I see eyeballs. Uh, somebody. Oh, Rob, very good. I told you he'd come. Anyways, so once it for all took upon your sin, and, and this is the uniqueness. No one else does this work. Only Jesus, right? Okay, uh, verse 28. Verse 28. Oh, wait, no, we're not done yet. Verse 27, <laughs> oh no, we're not done, oh no. Once for all, when he off, see again, you know, you know, when we talk about himself offering, you know, the priests wouldn't offer themselves, right? They would offer, you know, these sacrifices, these sacrificial animals, but for him, the uniqueness is what? He is the sacrifice, right? So when you talk about why are you departing from this to that, when you have the all-atoning sacrifice, uh, this is, I think, the, the very important uniqueness that we have in Jesus offering himself um, as, as, our, as the redemption price. So, um, anyways, uh, verse 28 now. <laughs> Someone could read that. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son all right. Uh, so for the law appoints men in their weaknesses as high priests. So what's another before here? That the priests were? Weak. weak. How do we know that they're weak? The sinners? What else? They succumb always to death, Right? Because we are, we are human beings. That is the next phase of life is death. That in their weakness he appoints. But what is the difference between uh, sin and death versus what, how is Jesus described? For? Perfect forever. Ever. Perfect. That's right. Sorry, perfecto. That's what my dad would always say. Oh, my pops, if you've ever seen him, you'd be like, oh, that's why pastor's like that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, my dad. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, that he is perfect forever. And this is, why is that another distinction? When we talk about the Old Testament priests in their weakness, they are born in sin and, and, and they will face death. Uh, what's, what's the obvious difference? Anyone? Could, um, Yeah. Everything that was pointed to the Old Testament sacrifice was to the fulfillment of the forever that is in Christ Jesus. Now, again, if we, if we cut that off and say this is separate, then what does it make of this? If, if there's a cutoff here and it doesn't, let's say it doesn't connect for the people, then um, what is this pointing to? Nothing, right? And this is all pointing to the tabernacle, the, 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 the sacrifices, all the, it's pointing to the fulfillment of Christ because he is perfect, complete, and his work uh, not only uh, deems you perfect and righteous, but also his resurrection, as he rises from the dead, uh, gives you the gift and assurance that your life is also forever. Right? So when you have, uh, so the writer here is really showing us, like, you have these two things. Right? What's the better gift? What's the better gift? Forever, assurance of salvation once and for all. All the answers are quite, no daily sacrifices over and over again. It's been done, it is finished. How do we know by the one who bore our sin for us? Like there is absolutely certainty and blessedness here forever, right? Eternally, perfect, right? All by the one who fulfilled the law for us, right? And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, as we continue as a church, this is, our, this is always our proclamation, right? It, it is the promise of Christ and what he has given to us. All right. Uh, any questions on that? Easy peasy. All right. I never say that. Easy peasy. Oh, man. Anyways, verse 1, chapter 8. If so, we could read that. Okay, so, so we do have a point here. Now the point in what we are saying is this. So all that, you know, all that they were building up to this writer was uh, what is happening here. Uh, we are saying this. The point is we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne. What does that mean? Uh, the right hand of God. Uh, Of course, right? Of authority, but also not human authority, right? But of divine, not, not to limit it to human authority, but divine authority, right? So when we talk about Jesus' location, now what does it mean that he is at the right hand of God? What is that? You know, when we say in the creed, what do we say in the creed? That he, uh, he dies, and three days later, he, he ascends right to the right hand of God, and there he comes to judge the living and the dead, right? Now, that right hand of God is a place to which, not merely what we think is a location, right? Like, like a high street or... Um... Hey, Rob. Hi. <laughs> I was just waiting for 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rob's back. Nice. All right. Very good. No, I don't think you would need that with Jeff for sure. I know. Yeah. Anyways, but uh, but here we see uh, clearly um, that as we are at the right hand of God, uh, when we talk about the Old Testament priests, this was not their place, right? This is only allocated or designated for God. So when, when Jesus uh, ascends to the right hand of God, we know at the mere ascension, as we celebrate Ascension Day every year, uh, we very well know that when he ascends, that means what? That he not only has divine authority, but that he is our intercessor, that his, his work of the cross and empty tomb uh, delivered you the forgiveness of sins, right? Um, that you have life eternal by the one who died and rose for you. But also that what does Jesus say in Matthew 28 at the end there? He says, with you always, with you always I am. With I am you, right? Sure. Uh, <laughs> um. With I am you always, right? So when we talk about uh, Jesus, because he assumes his divine authority that he is with us as he promises to be, um, how is that applicable to us right now? His, his ascension to the right hand of God. What, how is that applicable to you right now? Is it applicable? Or is it just one of those factoids? Oh, yeah, that's great. It always includes 2,000 years later. Yes, but why, 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 is, the, uh, why is the majesty of, of, uh, of the Lord ascending to the right hand of God so important for us? Any, any thoughts on that? When we talk about the ascension of our Lord, we very well know that because of who he is as the one true God in his authority, what he says actually happens. Why is that important in itself? You know, when he says, I am with you always until the end of the age, why is that important? I mean, if we don't trust in who our Lord is, where are we going to search for God? Kind of in our cavernous souls. And there we take out the proverbial shovel, trying to dig and dig, wondering where God is. Is he there? I don't know. Maybe. Have I been good enough? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. It's like a roller coaster ride, right, Jeff? Anyways, so we see right here that when we talk about authority of God and, and, and going to the right hand of God, like that's how we know that by his word, he is with us, right? That we're not feeling that he's with us, but by the word of truth, that he is with us. You know, when we're... When we're um, at the service here in the morning, uh, we very well know that because of who he is, why does the Lord's Supper, why is the Lord's Supper so comforting? Anyone? Why is the Lord's Supper, because of the implication of this, why is the Lord's Supper so comforting? Right there, we are, we are not just 
before him, he, he becomes in us, he forgives us. Uh, <laughs> I mean, why is the Lord's Supper so comforting? Um, to be forgiven is incredibly comforting, and to be assured that we are forgiven, to have that continual reminder um, weekly that we are forgiven by Christ, and and to be literally before Him. The Lord's Supper is really the physical manifestation of His words at the end of Matthew that said, "I am with you till the end of the age." And so, in the Lord's Supper, He is with us. Yeah. Um, sorry, Kara, I was just trying to put you on the spot there. I'm like, yeah, she can. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I know my humor is bad, sorry. But uh, uh, um, just ask my kids. Anyways, but uh, uh, you're right. I mean, I am with you always until the end of the age. So when we say, when Jesus says, take and eat, take and drink, this is my body, this is my blood, right hand of God assuming all divine authority, he could be wherever he desires to be. And we know that by what his word promises. So when we talk about the Lord's Supper, this is, uh, I know uh, Marjorie was saying, um, uh, she was uh, telling me, oh, you should have called it, I said in the sermon, the greatest meal, but she, she, you should have called it the happiest meal. And then it <laughs> brought up happy meals. Um, they used to be better, by the way. Anyways, but, uh, uh, but this, is, this, is, this is where God gives to us his true body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Like, when we talk about, you know, and, and I say this from a non-Lutheran background that I was from, is that my human reason or strength said, no, that cannot be. This is a mere uh, symbol, or just something that I give honor to God for. No, the, when we talk about the ascension, this is where we have our confidence that God says, assuming his power and authority, uh, there he is with us. And there in this very moment in time, God is giving to us his very gift of the forgiveness of sins through his true body and blood. Right. So, again, this is better than tri-tip, better than tri-tip, brisket. I don't know. Yes. 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 That's such a bad joke. Yes. But, but no, this is, this is it. So when we talk about the Lord's word, um, that right hand of God, is, it, it's very significant because what this is right here, this could not do. And how that implies to us 2,000 years later, let's say, is that... Today, we partake in the very word as we get together in the word and sacrament. Uh, we're, we're, we're there. Um, we, we, we rest upon the promise that at the right hand of God, he, he gives us all things, right? Um, even baptism as well. You know, this is again at the word of Christ. There you are robed in Christ's righteousness. And because the word says so. And they're all attributed to the right hand of God. So again, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with life, as we all do, where do we flee? We flee to what is assured of us, what is certain. And that is the confidence of God in his word. Not just I am with you on a Hallmarkian sort of way, but that he's, he is with us by his word 
and sacrament. And that's why time and time again we come to church and hear God's word, receive the sacraments, uh, because we know what's here. It's not what we're giving to God, but rather what he's gifting to us as he works upon us. Rob, yeah. Uh, right hand of God, is that a uh, St. Matthew term? Is that a term found in St. Matthew? Um, I, I, think, I think that it, that particular term would have significant uh, meaning for the... Uh, For the target audience of St. Matthew, which were the first century Jews. Yeah. Because Jesus, Jesus throughout his ministry uh, goes to uh, the places where uh, many of the Old Testament uh, prophets and patriarchs have performed their miracles and performs the same miracles or greater miracles. Yeah, no, I, I think... Shows, shows, it, shows his superiority in, in each... Yeah, and, and speaking of superiority... Uh, this is what is happening here. It shows the superiority of, of this term, right hand of God. This implies that he is superior. None of, none of, none of the um, quote-unquote super-prophets, um, Isaiah or Elijah or Moses, got a chair right next to God? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Only Jesus, right? Yep. Um, all right, verse 2. So could read that. Verse 2. All right. So, uh, so the Old Testament tabernacle was, who commanded the tabernacle to be built? Yeah, God, right? Um, you could see in Exodus, just like the ark, definitely more detailed. But if you look in the book of Exodus, we see every part of the tabernacle being uh, uh, instructed uh, by the Lord, right? Every, every detail to the type of linens or type of uh, coverings uh, to, to how it was to be made mobile. I mean, if you see an intricate design, to say the least, as it should have been because they were traveling and the tabernacle had to be mobile. Mobile? Mobile, mobile or mobile? Mobile. Mobile? mobile? Oh, I remember. That's a mobile. That's a mobile. Mobile. <laughs> mobile. Mobile? See, the English, the, it's... Oh, man. British. Yes. Mobile? British? British. All right. And some southern rock song. I'm mobile. All right. I just can't think of Ra- it. Rob is cultured. Anyways. Um, That's the first time I've been called that. <laughs> I won't ask. I won't ask why. Anyways. But... Uh, uh, <laughs> Rob's back. A minister in the holy places in the true tabernacle or true tent that the Lord set up, not man. So what is this tabernacle? Now, when we go back to John 1, you know, I always say this because I repeat myself. But uh, the Lord dwelt among us, right? Jesus dwelt among us, the word. And um, that dwelt word is what? Skeno from tabernacle. So... What is, what is the true tabernacle? Is it made by human hands? No, it's, it's our Lord. Like he, he tabernacles with us. He dwells with us and gives us the gift of his promise and ultimately his presence, right? Uh, when we talk about the Old Testament, 
uh, again, this could only go so far, right? Uh, this, the fulfillment was right here. So what we talk about set up by human hands, yes, the Lord commanded, yes, they made it. But this wasn't the, as Marjorie said earlier, this is the... But is the same Paul that says, God tabernacled with our heart now? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and this is, again, uh, very important, the presence of God. Right, It is the fulfillment of the Old Testament tabernacle to the new. And through his death and resurrection and ascension to the right hand of God, he, he tabernacles with us. So it's not human hand stuff. It's, it's, it's God's word, his promise, and what he has given to you. And therefore, you know that God is with you, and he comforts you by his very word, because his word says so, right? His word. If you read the uh, newsletter this month, um, I don't know, who reads the newsletter? It's okay. it's okay to halfway read it, too. It's okay. It's okay. Um, we talk about 15 minutes just to read, read the Bible. I know at night uh, I read with the kids. We all take out our own Bibles. Elliot has his um, new beginner's Bible, you know, with all the pictures. I'm like, hey, I want to read that one. <laughs> and then the kids, the other kids have their ESV Bibles out, and I have my own, but, and my wife, too. But it, it's just like a time of, like, silence. I prefer the precious moment study Bible. <laughs> I know, Rob, you would. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I like pictures. Anyways, um, they make, they make uh, the book alive with all these colors. Anyways, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's good to read uh, because there we're getting back to the promise of God and what that's all about, right? Uh, who we are, um, right hand, authority, right? This is, this is, this is everything to us. So, um, continue to do that. Verse 3, verse 3, if you could read that. For, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. All right. So if you look at your notes, uh, read Hebrews 9.14. I think I typed it out for you right there in your notes. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Right? So what's the offering here? What is, what is the writer saying? For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, of course. Thus it is necessary for this priest. What is, uniquely, what is unique about this priest? Jesus. What does he... Right? Is that, yeah, offering himself, right? Uh, this, is what, this is what he does. This is the unique... You know, Rob can't, sadly, <laughs> he can't die for me, right? I can't die for Patrick, right? Jeff can't die for Luis, right? Uh, we need the one who offers himself, and, and that is the true high priest, right? This is, this is it right here. Uh, not by man, right? Not set up by man, this tabernacle, but also the offering is, it is necessary, right? Necessary, not an option, not many ways to be with God, not many ways to salvation. It is necessary right here, as it says, right? For this priest to offer something. I know um, in, our, in our tradition, uh, especially, uh, I don't know about any other tradition or culture, but I remember when my mother and father, whenever we went anywhere, we'd always have to bring something to their house. Like, that was, that's our, that was our, like, whether it was like a box of, uh, a box of um, fruit or some, some wine or something, uh, we'd always, it was a tradition to, to bring something. And when the Lord comes to the world, 
he pretty much brings the greatest gift and the offering, and that is his body and bloodshed for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's why when we talk about the writer here saying in verse 3, for every high priest is appointed, and this is the uniqueness of Christ. What does he have to offer? And what does that mean for your faith? Yes. Mary Beck cannot have eternal life outside of Christ. That is what only Jesus offers and delivers. There is no other way that she has eternal life only through the offering of Christ himself upon, upon that cross and empty tomb. That's who this high priest is all about. We see that Hebrews 9, right? How much more, right, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, so that without blemish to God goes back to chapter 7 about unstained, right, separated from sinners, right, um, purify our conscience from dead works. What are dead works? Dead works that are without Faith, right? Works that are just human, uh, that are just from our own human will. Words, uh, works that are without God, right? So purify our conscience uh, from dead works to serve the living God. How do we serve the living God? How do we serve him? Not, I'm not asking about actions of what we actually do, but how do we? Loving one another. But why do we, why do we love one another? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, we see right here, uh, our works are alive because what? Because we have Jesus. Our faith, our faith is Christ. And therefore, when Mega uh, computes all the numbers, because I know you probably don't want to hear about your numbers because that's your work week. Like, why is he talking about numbers again? This is my day off. <laughs> but when she's computing the numbers and all these things, it's just like, this is her calling. This is her expertise. This is all she does in Christ Jesus. And when we talk about works to serve the living God, we serve with a clear conscience. What does that mean, with a clear conscience? With a purified conscience? What does that mean? Anyone? Clear conscience. Assurance. Assurance that you're covered by the offering of Christ himself. What is a clear conscience, really? It means that all has been... Answered for, right? Finished, right? You're going, proceeding as a child of God redeemed, not to become a child of God or to earn the redemption. You go clearly covered by the blood and saying, yes, I'm teaching little Johnny what a great opportunity this is, right? God has called me to do this very work in life, right? Teacher as well, you know. So, so you very well know that when we talk about uh, uh, the clear conscience, very important. Because with a guilty conscience, how do we proceed? Can you proceed with a guilty conscience? I mean, I guess you can, but will it go anywhere? I mean, with a guilty conscience, your whole life is to do what? Trying to remedy that by yourself, right? And all your works, you're just I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. Why? Just to placate my guilty, I just have to do this because I just need to be better. And, and, and soon enough, uh, you're just going to be left in despair. So again, you know, when we talk about the offering, very important here. This is the uniqueness of Christ. And that's, this is what we need to hear time and time again as we talk about the gospel and, and what he has done uh, for us. Okay. Uh, verse 4. 
I don't even have to move. And I'm, anyways, verse four, if someone can read that for me. <laughs> now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. All right, so according to the law, who, was, who were to be priests? Then Levites, right? From Aaron uh, and following. Um, so what is that saying about Jesus? Jesus is from the tribe of Jude. <laughs> There's Don. <laughs> I know you are. You are. Literally, you are. Uh, and th- thank you, Don, for all that you do. Yeah, yeah. So Judah, right? From the order of Melchizedek. So we'll talk about uh, uh, Judah. Uh, uh, no. No. Right? Judah, no. You're not part of the priestly line that is to take care of all the sacrifices of the temple. No. You're... So again, why? When we, when we talk about the clear... What's the word? The clear... Why does the writer do this right here? making that true mark of, okay, you abide by the law, and, and here we see Jesus not even part of that tribe. Uh, what does that say about Jesus? That he's obviously not from their order, right? But also it shows how he is unique and different. And that uniqueness shows, is magnified in this very work right here. Us. Yeah. I mean, after, I mean, Mark, uh, Mark 15 right there, uh, torn into two, right? The, the veil of the temple, which marks the, the new. You said something to the um, Pharisees about, uh, you say you come from, Ab- that you're the children of Abraham, but God can make children of Abraham from these rocks over here. That's right. That's right. So. No big deal. But even at this point in time, this. I'm not sure exactly when Hebrews was written, but possibly 30 years after the mm-hmm. crucifixion. Sure. Okay. Yeah. At the crucifixion, the temple was uh, temple veil was torn in half, which virtually eliminated the Levitical priesthood. The whole sacrificial system was set aside at that point. Yeah, I mean it. It, so it, it, it can't continue this. But it, it's it's that fulfillment. Of what Christ brought to the table. And that, I think that's the key here, is the connection from the Old Testament to New, is that Jesus brought that fulfillment, and, and, and he gives to us his uniqueness of his word and the promise that he delivers in this gospel, right? So very important to see that connection here. Now, again, that was a struggle. And for us, too, it's a struggle, right? Only Christ, right? Only Christ. I, when we hear those words, it's just like, that sounds good, but then there's all these other things in the world that I have to do, and, and you know, maybe I have to make this into a transactional God. You know, maybe I have to add extra just to put the cherry on top of my salvation, you know? Like, this is, this is our thing, but no, we, that's why we go back to this time and time again, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, you know as, as you take, as, as you take uh, your life of faith in this pilgrimage, you hear those words, and yeah, it's always Jesus, because that is how unique he is. When we start making him uh, similar to everything else in this world, he is just one of many uh, 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 that, you know, one of many. What's the big deal? But when he's only Christ, this is where I go. Like, this is the word that I need to hear because he's everything. What, what he is right here shows me that what? 
There is no other greater word than what he has given to me. And that's what I need to hear time and time again, because his word is living. He is with me. He gives me the word and sacrament. And thereby his true body and blood, I am forgiven. There is nothing. There is nothing else because his uniqueness far surpasses anything else of this world. Do you believe that? We say yes, right? But again, not to be a, a Debbie Downer or a negative Nancy. You like what I did there? That's not what I meant. But that's it. Isn't that insane? Negative? Maybe not. But uh, uh, that. Uh, but uh, my idioms are off, so don't credit me for anything. Uh, but no, the the point is is that you know it's easy to say this, but but we we very well know how easy it is um, uh, to forget that and, and to say there is something more. And um, the Hebrews were carefully taught, no, this is why we come, to hear only Christ. So, uh, any questions on this before we close? Kids are giving us a countdown, so. We're good? All right. Well, that's a long time to hide. Anyways, let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for this time. Bless us, O Lord, in, these, uh, in your very word, the uniqueness of your promise, and Lord, through all things. Uh, we thank you, O Lord, for what you give alone Bless us in this gospel. Lead us in your promises of the sacrament. And through all things, grant us your peace. We thank you for this day and for all that you give. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.